Hey, gang, welcome back to your favorite Tuesday afternoon you've had all week <laughs> and the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, Dave Little John in studio with Katie Shook. And at least it's not a Muse Day. Not a Muse Day. Not a Muse Day. Just a regular Tuesday. You know, I'm actually, you know what it I is say, for me? That's still Tunday to me. It's every time you're <laughs> always like, always no, it's Tunday. It's Tunday. There's just way too much to get done in one day. It's a Tunday. I'm a- excited about this Tuesday. You want to know why? Yeah. For me, it's the first Tuesday of summer break for my kids. Like, it's the first Monday night that I didn't have to fight my children about, like, going to bed on time, worry about their homework being done. When my kid's like, hey, can I ride bikes at 8 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, because you have nowhere to be tomorrow. It was awesome. So, so here's the funny I'm thing. I'm excited. We That is not how our household gets to work. Uh, and and it's not because we're just this oppressive, evil parent. Uh, oh, you are just admit you know, it on regime. air. Let's go. <laughs> uh, it's well, uh, we have all these activities planned and camps and other things like that, and they have start times that are a lot like school. You know, so you get the launch at eight in the morning. So we're like, well, we can't very well let you stay up until eleven p.m. You'll turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, crankosaurus the <laughs> no, next day. I get it, and we have those things too for the summer. But this week is a weird week because because of Snowmageddon. Right. A lot of schools extended their school a week longer, but Geneva Academy decided not to. So my kids are out actually a week earlier than most kids. Most kids are still kind of either in part of a week or still in school this This week. This is the last day of school for my eldest. Right. So see, like you still kind of have school, but I don't have school schedules this week. So it has been so nice to just go, oh, yeah, I forgot about sure, that. Sure, stay up as late as you want. That'll right. end well. <laughs> when they have nowhere to go the next day and can sleep in, it's like, well, okay, I don't really have any reason to fight you on it tonight. All right. Well, I was going to let you lead <laughs> off here, but now I'm questioning your judgment. You should. Totally. <laughs> You're like, all of it. Mean, meanwhile, the kids put me to bed, and then I don't know what happens. <laughs> yeah. I fell asleep at 10. No, I'm just kidding. They were still in bed in time. But it was, you know, and it's the later days, too. Right. Uh-huh. Like it's just staying light later and you realize at eight o'clock you're like, huh, it's not six o'clock anymore. It's actually eight o'clock and it's still light outside. Oh, my and... gosh. So oh, I love it. So this it all it's it's sort of funny, but this is real. This really happened. So I was uh, you know, cleaning up at home last night and I get a text from my buddy Evan Cruz. OK, Cruz Farms. And every year in October. We do a pumpkin cruise, right. as we like to Rightfully call it. So named. this is where, uh, and it's something that our office does, and we, it's really, it's open to the public, but we- We treat our we, clients, yeah, we, we basically take them out for say, pumpkins and come pizza. Come on out, and, and we do, yeah, we have pumpkins and pizza, and just have a good time uh, getting out in the pumpkin patch. And it's on a school night, so you don't, we're not staying out too late and what have. But <laughs> last night, uh, we were planting pumpkins. And I say, Evan was doing the work, really. I showed up in flip-flops, and he's out there. And I got, I went out to the field, and it was 10 p.m. Okay, I have a question for you. Why knowing, did you know what you were getting yourself into? No. Okay, because I was like, why would you ever go to a farm in flip-flops? Like, that right there, rookie mistake. I think it makes more of a statement. Rookie mistake. It's less of a rookie mistake than a commitment to sandals. <laughs> Okay. Oh, is that, see, you're committed to summer too. You're so ready for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. If 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 there was such a thing as a professional pair of flip flops, <laughs> I would be in them. Uh, but but I'm told that it's frowned upon. Yeah. So, no, not so much. yeah. If you disagree, if you if, if you all are like, no, no, flip flops are totally office appropriate. It's is. Uh, and we're not the, talking the new sandals. Generation. We're talking flip flops. Yeah, but you know, 
Male sandals. Leather flip-flops. How about that? But <laughs> okay. yeah, is if if it's cool to wear to the office, then you got to send us, just email them and back me up, right? Info at littlejohnfs.com and you let me know or you know hit me up on Facebook, but... <laughs> or I sorry, think we the, have the uh, wrong other... geography for it to be appropriate. Like, I think if you had an office like at the beach, what if it's just I kind of go with the thing. Well, it's post Memorial Day and pre Labor Day. How about in between there? It's like wearing white pants. I right? liked your so like. You if wear... it's over eighty degrees outside, all bets are off. Yeah, that's that's well. That's sort of <laughs> never mind. Uh, so so I'm out there last night <laughs> planting and, pumpkins in and, the middle and of the dark. Takes, but the, you're talking about how late it is. It was ten o'clock, and you could still see the sun setting over the mountains. It I is. Know. It was past civil twilight at that point. So beautiful. Uh, so it was. It was dark. I mean, you needed to drive with your headlights on and whatnot. But there was the moon was out, and so I'm out there walking in the field though, and I'm videotaping this thing. Be- tape. Look at that. So videoing this thing <laughs> on my phone. Where's the tape in your phone there? <laughs> yeah, it's really you walking small. around with your Walkman too. Tiny <laughs> little tape. Yeah, uh, and we are. We're filming this because we're doing some promotional materials and and making some fun videos out of the deal, and so. But I'm out there, it's, you know, from ten till about eleven thirty, and I got to tell you, planting pumpkins. The modern day farm is fascinating because there's all this technology involved, and leave it to uh, if if those of you didn't know about Cruise Farms, and of course Evan is like fifth generation or something on the farm, but uh, he has really been clever about adopting technology to help keep a small family farm competitive in an environment where we see this massive roll up and consolidation in industries all over the place right right it's becoming harder and harder to for small business to survive because of the the regulations involved and some of them you know we 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 want a certain amount of regulation. Right? Everybody wants their water to be clean and their food to be safe and so forth. But the question is, what level of intrusiveness and what additional cost does that add? And at what point do we unintentionally kill the small provider off because they cannot afford the cost of the regulations and the scale required? Oh, that's such right? a good there's, question. There's a, and there's some real unintended consequences where... and. All right, so I'm not going to go where deep into this. Where are you going this. with this? I know I'm kind of waiting to see what your where your story is headed here. This is relevant to investors, okay? Because this week I'm going to I'm going to tie it all together here. So how do pumpkins? What do they have to do with the markets? Give me a bow, okay? This week was an announcement that uh, United Technologies and Raytheon are looking at a merger. Ooh, okay, interesting. And uh, they are Raytheon in particular, but both are defense contractors and they're looking at consolidating so they want to spin off some of their consumer elements and and then combine these two companies into one and the unintended consequence of this is that there's less competition right so fewer and fewer players in the space so now you think about one of the things that is commonly targeted in political debate is how much the united states spends on military spending it's true and what's it look like if you have fewer people bidding on military contracts now? I would think that would drive the price up, though. Well, as would I. That's sort of the point. And because, so, like, I mean, it, you know, comp- competition is what drives the price down, right? Because people are trying to underbid to get the that's thing. The, that's the theory, right? So, like, and I mean, if you have three people bidding versus two, and the two could really be in cahoots. 
in a uh, sense. This, so yeah. this is a great term. You know, around the turn of the century, we had monopolies that showed up in things like steel and the railroads and so forth. And even uh, utilities like... Uh, is that why it's on the uh, board of monopoly? Well, that's part of the name of Monopoly is the ga- the goal of the game of Monopoly is to end up owning everything. Right. Right. So you have a monopoly on all of it. So you end up being the big winner. Right. Okay. In the business world, you know, monopolies are sort of the natural enemy of a capitalist system. Well, wasn't that like with the EpiPen thing? Yes. Well, that's what caused the EpiPens issue, like, right? Well, there I mean, was no it, one like, to check the price because there was no other provider. Went up 400 in one year right. because they were their only provider and they could just charge whatever they wanted. Yeah, that's an example of where monopolistic behavior is harmful to consumers. You get a product that is inelastic, like somebody sort of has to have it. There's only one provider, then the provider can set the price. Okay, this is the equivalent of you know, there's a drug that saves your life from cancer then the drug manufacturer can charge whatever they want because people will sell everything they own because what's the point? I mean, either I sell everything I own to try to get another shot at it or I don't and then I die. Right. So that kind of scenario is the problem. And so the government stepped in with antitrust legislation, which was designed to take these monopolies and force them to be broken apart into smaller units so that competition could exist in the marketplace. And it was a consumer protection move. And so this is where, as much of a capitalist and a free market guy as I am naturally, I do think there's still a role that government plays. And this is, you know, a lot of people will be very the term is sort of Jeffersonian about it, where we, you know, we don't want any government intervention. Uh, the natural marketplace will take care of itself. But if but you, you have to have a market in the first place. If you have a right. monopoly, so if, you if don't you have, have a market. If you have a monopoly, then then you don't get a market. And so, uh, fostering enough uh, requirement enough requirements that there is competition is great. But if you then you get the other end of the spectrum, which we're, we're now exploring, which is we've unintentionally added more and more regulations in the name of trying to perfect public safety and so forth, which is an admirable goal, right? But we've added so much regulation now that we're starting to create barriers to entry so you can't have competition. Well, you've talked before on the past about moating, right? You've built a moat around yourself that the little guy can't get across to even be part of the, to become a player in the game. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of like, try to explain to me a world. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Explain to me a world where there's a natural competitor to Google. Oh, or Amazon. I mean, people have tried. They're trying to compete right. with Amazon. But... Well, and Amazon still has some competitors, which is fascinating to me because Amazon still has like... Jet. E- well, eBay and, and uh, Walmart and some of those. I don't think of eBay as being a competitor, but, but I they, guess they it's are. there. Yeah, they it's are. an online I mean, shopper. It's, okay. a, it's a distribution mechanism online. Okay. Right? Uh, so... Uh, I always think of eBay as like a glorified yard sale. Like, oh, I have stuff to sell, and I'm going to sell it all over the country versus selling it to my neighbor. Although, you know, funny enough, behind the scenes, in some scenarios, Amazon is kind of like that, too. Uh, True. You know, there's a used marketplace in Amazon and so forth. True. The idea, though, is more about, as investors, how do we, how do you pay attention? And so moats can be advantageous to investors, right? Barriers to entry for competition when you're the investor, if you're the shareholder in a company that has the ability to sort of corner the market, it will potentially be beneficial to the shareholder, right? Right. Uh, But it's detrimental to the consumer. And this is where you really do get some debate in the public square about where, 
capitalism and profit purely for profit's sake at the expense of sort of um, the corporate citizenship is a potential problem, right? You know, when you're willing to basically say, well, if you can't pay for it, then everybody dies. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, that's a little harsh. It's a little harsh, and so harsh. we're 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 seeking the appropriate balance where we maintain our conscience, uh, and and I think that's there, there's a whole long, a whole separate debate we're not going to get into today because I, right. I I don't think our listeners really so what what are we going to talk about today? What what knowledge are we imparting on our wonderful listeners today? <laughs> well. We're going to talk about, uh, I want to finish up something we started last week. Which is? Which is, we finished last week and we were talking about how you make a difference and it's lessons particularly you teach with, your kids. right, with graduates. So we have graduates Adulting and graduation lessons. just happened <laughs> and it was what do you, what should we be teaching our kids? So we're going to get into some more of that when, when we come back. That's what we'll focus on is how, what are some things that you can do to help get your kids ready for launch? All right. Interesting. All so right. That and more good. when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth program. <laughs> what happened to radio show? Now it's a program. <laughs> it's that important. With yes. the count? Are you going to <laughs> Yes, David's alter ego, brain. the count. Uh, uh. <laughs> so, Katie, yes, this happens to be something that I think is quite near and dear to your heart. <laughs> how to how to teach your kids to how, how to launch them onto society? <laughs> Katie is literally she's been sort of lobbying behind the scenes for you know we do what we call our wealth workshops, and this is where we'll. Uh, to pick a topic and we'll do a you know open to the public sort of uh, education event no sales going on it's just to come on in and learn right, right. and you have been saying forever uh, forever meaning like for like a year or more now <laughs> hey let's do a class on adulting and, and I like and I, I always hate... chuckle because <laughs> I hate that word because that word it's like it sounds close to a different word where I'm like, let's not teach that at all. You know, no. but uh that's no it's so, slang, right? But that's become like the term of the like the Yeah, the things the, you need to know how to do to become a functional adult. Well and even adults now are like wearing t shirts that say like I don't feel like adulting today. Like what does that mean? Like I don't feel like being responsible for myself anymore. It's but I mean, when did adulting become a verb? Like it was just an expectation socially and now all of a sudden you have a choice on whether or not you want to actually behave I guess it's it's a weird thing but there's um there's behaviors attached to it and some of it is chore related and some of it is behavior related and um we've taught classes in the past about budgeting and about how the system works and we've talked about compound interest and some of it was just we felt like if we could get to the younger population meaning like high school you know maybe even late junior high but high school and up and really get them to understand how money moves then maybe they will make better financial decisions um, in their life. And, you know, there's certain potholes that people step in financially. And we were kind of saying, well, if we can help prevent some of those potholes, their life might be a little bit better. But I think it goes further than that. It's not just about making good financial decisions. I think some of those come from your decision-making skills. So we were talking last show about ways to help just teach your children things that either we've learned from our parents or learned the hard way. 
And I think that's the, here's the interesting part. These were really good ideas. We're gonna some of them will be a refresh, and then there's a couple others that we'll get to. But the first one, it's essentially this idea of give them give them tasks where they have to do something, and don't make it a guaranteed win. Right. So the one I brought up on the, which you kind of chuckled at, right? So well, I said, no, but I like this idea. But, I think so this give is a them good a grocery one. list, right? Uh-huh. That has let's say two hundred and twenty dollars worth of groceries on it. But only serious give them, grocery list. Yeah. Have Have you seen what two hundred dollars buys these days? It's not a full basket. At Costco, <laughs> it's only like a few items. Yeah, it's true. like ten things. So, but give them a give even a hundred dollars. Give them a grocery list, and then give them less money than what is required to accomplish that grocery list, and let them kind of figure out: Do I buy the name brand peanut butter? Do I buy the generic? Do I what do I need to cut from the list this week? Because those are real life problems. And I'm thinking like, you know, a college student on a budget kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, do I buy the case of Top Ramen so that I have $10 to do something else with? Or do I buy these other foods? Like, what's the trade-off? Where do I make the choices? Yeah. And, you know, so this is a really interesting one because I want to ask you a question about it. Now, there's, there, there are some trade-offs that uh, th- we're talking – this is an extra actual economic term behind this. Okay. Okay called substitution right okay so in in the supply and demand world right if you can't afford uh, you know meat then you go to beans unless you're a vegetarian and then if you can't afford beans then you go to some other kind of bean uh, <laughs> then if you can't afford tofu then you go to beans okay so whatever the case substitute substitution is when you uh, because of price reasons you swap something out right or sometimes availability right but you're you're substituting something else for that and so part of that exercise is Hey, you know, let's let's test uh, or provide a provide a proving ground where these folks have to these young adults have to evaluate substitutions or not. Okay, so that's part of it. Right. Uh, so then the, the the question is, you know, at what level is it is it a game where it's going to be impossible? Like it's not just substitutions, but it's prioritization. Like what you're, are you not going to buy or is it just about, hey, if you're a really good shopper, you can accomplish it with this. But if you're sloppy, you can't. The other thing of it is it teaches, and if you can not just dump them off at the grocery store with the list and the money and then let them fail in the middle, but... Well, because they'll just come back with a bunch of Captain Crunch and be like, well, I gave up and got this. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, my like, gosh, no, that's, that's a lot of Captain is. Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, um, this is where, you know, teaching your kids maybe to seek out coupons or discounts or mm-hmm. different things where they could still accomplish the mission within the budget. Um, I, I think dollar awareness is something that's very important. Um, it was something that I didn't realize until a couple years ago when we were buying school supplies. Um, you know, and as a parent, a lot of times it's like, well, we just need the school supplies and we kind of roughly know how much it costs. But I don't think our children are always aware of the cost that is associated with it. Um, so when I had my teenager and I took her to Staples and I said, okay, this is the budget I want to stick within. Let's go over your supplies. And all of a sudden she started looking at the price to see and she's like, pencils are nine dollars and it's like well general pencils aren't but the pencils you want are you know and it's like okay so now is it about just what you want or is it about you know wants or needs those are not the same thing right you need a pencil you want the expensive one like they're not the same thing and so teaching them to just understand the cost of a dollar another thing going into um, now, now I'm sharing my personal experiences too, but um, going into having a teenager that was driving, originally I thought, oh, you know, I'll give her gas money and I'll have her pay for her car insurance so that she could have a bill that she was responsible with. 
And then I thought about that and I thought, no, that's going to bite me because if I pay for, if I always just give her gas money, then she just becomes everybody's Uber and right. doesn't understand when the price of gas fluctuates or again, how to go, well, I can't go that far or I can't do this thing or I need to figure out ways to come up with gas money. So I flipped the script. I said, no, I'll pay for the car insurance, but you actually have to pay for your gas money. So it was interesting as gas prices, she went up, you know, the same $40 that used to fill her tank now gave her three quarters of a tank. And I was like, oh, that doesn't fill my tank anymore. No, now you need to find ways to make up the difference in order to go the same amount of miles. And it was like, oh, so yeah. those are those light bulb moments the very teachable moments that I'm kind of encouraging you as parents to go, how, you know, when gas prices go up, we feel it, right? Like sure, we, sure. I mean, we feel it at the pump. I think we cringe every summer because they know we're going to drive and we still have to get gas. It's not, gas is not one of those commodities that I'm aware of that we can really store up efficiently when it's on sale. It's hard <laughs> without the right facilities. So, uh, but what other things did you have in mind? The grocery well, thing was the one I brought up last week on the, the show. The groceries are a really interesting one. The next question that I want to ask is, it's it's a little more complicated. So, and it, what it has to do with is how do you decide which substitution to make in this process? But I think what we should do is grab a break now. And if we do that, they'll give you lots of time to unpack it. Nice, I love it. All right, it. so let's stick around. We'll be right back where I'm going to try to stump Katie. It'll be fun. This is David Littlejohn. <laughs> and Katie Shook. And True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Yeah, well, you can. I just we'll threw David a curveball and The 10 foot item. We'll see if we get to that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Welcome back to the True Well Show. Uh, Dave Littlejohn. Katie Shook from Littlejohn Financial Services. Yep. And uh, as a reminder, if you're just joining us, uh, be sure to check out the podcast available all on our over. website, on KQEN, on Blueberry. Is it Blueberry? Blue, we host them on Blueberry. You can find them on iTunes. Just look up the True Well Show and you'll see our logos and there everything. You go. And yep. So it's, uh, it's there and available. And uh, we always say, hey, share it with a friend, whatever you can do So we're there. talking about how to launch your right. kids on this, how to launch them onto society. That sounds so funny. Like I'm going to like uh, rocket launch them. But, um, but I like the to... term launch. I mean, so you've got these young adults that are about to, you know, go out there and spread their wings and leave the nest or at least start to leave the nest yeah. is the idea. Sometimes they have to get pushed out. But yes, they are yeah. moving forward. <laughs> and we've been talking about ways to help transition and, and how to develop skills that you'll need in adulthood right right adulting hard adulting. hard hard and so by the way parents i think a lot of times when we try to teach kids lessons um something that's important too and i know it's kind of a side note but we need to teach them that it's okay to fail if they fail forward and i love when david uses that fail forward right like you don't have to be perfect all the time, but yeah, you can learn you're, from you're your mistakes. Yeah, you're going to fail at something. Everybody right? fails. Yeah. This is guess what? Did you know that in track and field, most of the events end in failure? No, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, you think about it. You're going to get to an end, like, and you're either going to have won or lost. But like high jump, you will fail. Pole vault, you will fail. I That's thinking... not most of the events, but mo <laughs> uh, many of the events they end with. You ultimately will not jump higher than that bar. It will you'll knock it down, and that's the end of the event for you. It ends in failure, but that doesn't mean that you're not improving. I was always thinking like I think ultimately every adult has watched something red in a load that they weren't supposed to. Yeah, well, I just don't own very much red. That's how I solve that problem. 
And if you're colorblind, I guess there's a difference. Doesn't matter, right? There it you doesn't go. matter. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there's basic stuff, right? How to do a grocery list, how to make a meal, like teaching your kids to cook early yeah. on helps. Um, and how to do laundry. I know that sounds really funny, but you'd be amazed at how many kids don't know the difference between laundry soap and fabric softener. Yeah. Or, hey, uh, don't use the dish soap for the sink in the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want a bubble party. <laughs> Which may seem novel, but not so much. Not so Especially much. if you have wood floors. No, yeah. Like, hey, that, <laughs> that that is, that's a lot of foam. <laughs> <laughs> or dish soap from the dishwasher in the laundry. Oh. Yeah, that doesn't work so well either, by yeah. the way. And we're laughing. I know I'm laughing. I'm sorry. But there's there's things that, you know, my favorite one, too, is now everybody has a hack, right? There's all these YouTube hacks. You should try this. You should do this. Some of them work and some of them don't. There's a reason that even Pinterest has a Pinterest fails page, right? Because some things just don't work out the way that people say they do. And that's okay. It's okay to fail. But teaching kids to fail forward and to learn from their mistakes, I think, is something that's important. Um, but we were talking in the beginning. You had you had yeah. you had to challenge me. What's the challenge? So here's the challenge. And I'm, I'm going to roll it back. You were talking about giving uh these young adults a grocery, a grocery list. list and giving them a, essentially a finite amount of money and an, a list that is going to be challenging for them to actually Fulfill. purchase everything. Right. And so they're going to have to make some decisions about substitution and uh, p- potentially prioritization, you know, things that aren't going to make it onto the list or not. So the question, and I'm going to frame this kind of funny, is how do you get your these young adults to eat their vegetables? You pour pancake syrup on it. And, I'm just kidding. That's and an- I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to stump Katie, and she totally turned it around. That's an elf reference. <laughs> if you've never seen that movie, that's awesome. So With Will Ferrell. Cover he, it in yeah, syrup and candy corn. Uh, <laughs> it works every time. No, it's. Um, how but do you understand? I mean, the yeah. question. Well, let me, for our listeners, here's where I want to clarify. And I, I, I'm just really interested in your insight on this, Katie. Okay. And it is for a lot of folks. How do you get the decision to not just be a very short-term decision, but for them to be mindful about the longer-term impact of the decision? And I'm I'm thinking about this in terms of in the grocery shopping world. It's also, well, how do you keep people from wanting to just buy the junk and end up in have, with other health problems compounded because they don't take care of themselves because they're short-sighted, right? Now, you know, I want the Doritos instead of the broccoli. These I don't think are as short of conversations, right? Like giving sure. a giving a grocery list and telling your child, okay, here's, you know, 20 items on the list, here's a finite amount of money, go get this. That's different, right? That's a very short-term lesson. That hopefully sticks with them long-term, but it's a short-term lesson. Mm-hmm. The longer-term lesson um, is, I think, something that you need to start a little bit earlier on when they're little. But um, I know that when we have done meal planning, I let my children help in the meal planning. I think that gives them buy-in. Um, for what's for dinner now, do I always go with it? No, because if I went with it, we'd be eating mac and cheese every single night based on what my six-year-old wants. So we do not eat mac and cheese every single night. But I think allowing them to pick when you give them parameters, right? So we need to have a protein and a vegetable. And then I always kind of call it a wild card, right? So the wild card could be a starch. It could be anything else. But you have to have a protein and a vegetable. So when you kind of teach your children like, There has to be a protein and a vegetable and then a wild card. Then it's like, well, I want mac and cheese, but I'll have broccoli and chicken. Okay, well, that's fine. And 
there's still kind of some parameters about what you're teaching them. Um, so those lessons are ones that I think come early on. Savings, another one that I think kind of comes early on, right? Like when you, instead of paying your kid with a dollar bill, give them 10 dimes. Teach them to like put a one dime in a different bucket and then have the rest of the dimes in like the bucket that they get to spend on their toys. So, because if you have a dollar bill, you can't just go, oh, well, you're supposed to save 10%. And they're like, well, how do I cut the edge of the dollar bill off? Like, that doesn't, All right. that doesn't work. So if you're going to teach them these lessons about saving and about money, you need to do it in a way that is visually makes sense to them. And a lot of these lessons can be taught at any age, by the way. And don't think that your little ones aren't paying attention. They are. So try to, you can have very simple conversations even with the littles. Yeah. And so to me, this is also a metaphor, right? When I say eat your vegetables... There's a part of me that is saying, look, you need to be aware of the long-term impact of your decisions. And I've also said this another way at different points on the show, and people chuckle if you've not heard this before, said we need to train more chess players and fewer checkers players. I like that, yeah, because checker players only look at the move, the one move yeah. ahead of them. Yeah, chess players, players are planning five moves ahead, ten yeah. moves ahead. It's Yeah, checkers is, comparatively speaking, a much less complex game, and people aren't looking that many moves ahead. It's you know one or two, and they just kind of you know zip through, and it's pretty simple in that regard. Chess, on the other hand, significantly more strategy to it. And the point is about understanding this, that there's a there's a strategic outcome to every decision you make and also accepting the accountability of the decision. Now, right. this sounds fancy because they're long words with more <laughs> syllables. But well, I just want to say, teach your kids that when they make a decision, there's going to be something that happens. And what happens is on them after they make that decision. So making them, I love this one too, eat their own cooking, right? So we were talking about substitutions earlier, right? Do you get the generic peanut butter versus the regular? Well, what happens if you can't even afford peanut butter? What we're talking about is trying to prevent your child from going to the grocery store for 100 items and coming home with 100 boxes of Top Ramen, right? Like you can't just have a pantry full of Top Ramen. Like I guess you could, but right. it's not really the diversity that you're looking for in your daily meal planning. Now, sometimes the best way to get your kids over that then I'm talking teenagers in the short term is just to feed them what they bought three days in a row because a lot of times they'll realize uh, that's not a good no, plan no, either. No more ramen, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> but it works. Like it's it's a true test of. And I mean, if you're going to make kind of like, oh, you broke into the liquor cabinet. Well, here, try this. Oh <laughs> you no, you can't do that. So yeah, I would say that seems like a no. That's but an I, I get where you're going with this. I get where you're going with this. Uh, to to my point. If if we could start making an impact on young adults understanding that the decisions that they make really are theirs, okay? Right. And this is going to be this is a really this is a culture shift because we spent a lot of time and there have been a lot of attorneys that have spent time on convincing folks that it's somebody else's fault, right? Yeah. You made me mad, and so I did this thing, and it wasn't me that did it. It was you making me mad. Yeah, it's your fault because you versus, made me mad. No, you're an adult. You're responsible for how you respond to emotional circumstances, and you getting mad and flying off the handle is still you. Right. You know, you getting emotionally impassioned and then doing something stupid doesn't remove you from the impact of the decision. It just means you now suffer a dumb decision. Right. Okay. And I got news for you. Everybody has made dumb decisions. Like well, like everybody. <laughs> Self-awareness is something I think 
I know for me personally, um, I've worked on a lot over the last few years. I, and I know, David, you do a lot, too. Like you're just trying to um, maybe introspective is another word, but um, just trying to realize, like, why do we do the things we do? Right. Like what's going on? even on a subconscious level, like, what are we doing? How are we doing that? And one of the things that you brought up, which I thought was great, and it kind of feeds into what you're just saying, is when you're emotional, you actually can't be logical and emotional at the same time. Yeah, they, they don't exist in the same sphere because uh, emotions trigger a different chemical response in your brain, and that chemical response alters the way the brain processes the data. So uh, you don't operate in the logic center of your brain when you're under extreme stress. You operate more like a fight-or-flight response. Right, so, but understand that even about your children, right? Like if, you're, if they're being irrational, right, and they're emotional, and you're, you're expecting them to make logical decisions in that moment, they may not physiologically be able to. Yeah. Well, and and they won't. And the thing is, when somebody is emotional, and we have a we have a really popular cultural word for this right now, right? If somebody is triggered, right? You know. So if you're triggered, the the hilarious thing about that word is it then goes back to the implication that well, it wasn't me that did it. It was the person that triggered me, and it's their fault. Yeah. It, that that's a really toxic line of thought. Right. At least, you know, and I'm offering my opinion here, and I'm not a sociologist, not that I value much of that. But <laughs> the issue is that if you are busy blaming everybody else for your bad decisions and your bad actions and reactions, what I'll tell you is it comes down to training. It does. Right? It really does. Decisions are trained. Right. And this is why study after study will show that, first of all, investors make bad decisions emotionally. And okay, they so make a emo lot of emotional emotions, decisions. Emotions uh, make for worse decisions in the long term. Which is why we talk about working with a pro yeah. to well, put somebody between you and your money yeah, so you, you don't, don't make bad this. decisions. It's, it, it, but even pros can make bad decisions if they're not using the right mechanisms. And, yeah. and so you don't believe me, then go Vanguard of all companies. I mean, Vanguard, who is a purveyor of index funds, and they are a direct marketer, meaning Vanguard will market Vanguard directly to you. You don't need an advisor or anybody else. And they'll say, hey, you can buy our funds. And Vanguard has a white paper that describes how investors make mistakes and underperform. And, and it talks about the value of a financial advisor and how people historically have been more profitable if they work with a professional because otherwise they make some you sort of you know stupid emotional decision and they sort of basically they blow up their account right and it's not blow up like it's unrecoverable but if you think over a 10-year period like a three percent difference in performance magnifies out to a lot of money well and what's uh, bigger the account too but you know three percent difference is quite large and vanguard's going it's it's not the investment; it's the investor yeah, it's that when, is the it's problem. It's when they're making the changes. It's, so it's not the actual investment itself, but when they're choosing to be in or out of the market so, at those times. So this comes back to that accountability matrix, and then of course the decisions in this case for the Vanguard example. But if you train, here's here's the thing. Uh, in fact, all right. So we're up against the clock. I want to talk about training. Okay, and, and how we train for responses so that we can get better outcomes and how we can help our kids train, how we can train ourselves. Training. But let's grab the, our last break. So Sounds we'll do good. that. And when we come back, let's talk about training for better decisions. You All got right? it. That, when we come back, this is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. It'll be perfect. <laughs> so, all right. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio, Radio Show. <laughs> so uh, we are, okay, 
We're talking about adulting. Talking about adulting. We're talking about training, training. our kids. How do you train your kids? And yeah, my- here's all training. We're talking about training. Okay. Okay. I feel like I should have track shoes on. Let's go train. Yeah, well, I think you know it's part of it. So first of all, backdrop on training. When I say training, first of all, what comes to mind for you? Um, doing something over and over and over again, like repetition. So like when you talk about training your kids, I think, okay, this isn't going to be a one-time thing. This is going to be something I need to do long-term. Okay. So, and it can be habit forming. Right. It can be training because you're looking for a specific goal or outcome. Right. Now I'm going to frame training a little bit different just for a moment. Now, what I want you to think about is something that's really a risky profession. Okay. So tight rope walking, tight rope walking. (laughs) But I, I think about, um, um, uh, motorcycle uh, jumping well okay there's a profession <laughs> you for said you. really risky professions uh, but even like being a soldier or a police officer firefighter oh, okay okay i mean these are professions that you, we see more often i like um, the firefighter one because you talk about how they have to train to go against their natural responses like people don't normally run into fires that so and you're so spot on because that was going to be my point you know when there's a building on fire who thinks you know i gotta get in there <laughs> yeah nobody right? no the, well, the only person that does does so out of emotion they're like i have a pet or a child or something like that and so they will risk themselves for an emotional reason but no logical reason is like i better get into that those fires well and that brings up a good point if you're emotional about it you're not actually thinking logically right so they're not mapping out the safest route to save the person it's more of a like i need to get to the person right now yeah right it's a fight or flight response so keep that 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 concept is remember when you are under stress or emotional duress that's where your mind goes toward the fight or flight response and as investors it's really dangerous so what do and imagine if we if firefighters just showed up filled out an application they said sure great idea let's get you on the truck and let's go yeah i want the trained firefighter to come rescue me by the well, way but so does the other firefighter next to them because if you are going to safely or as safe as possible engage in fighting a fire then you need to be able to assess the situation and and rely on your training to make the best decisions possible to try to get to the outcome you're looking for. So let me take it one step further. You said, or the firefighter next to you, right? Now, firefighters work as a team. There's a truck full of people, right? And they purposely work with the team because they can't do it by themselves. And I think that's important because they're not only trusting their training, but that their team is trained, right? Because a seasoned firefighter is not necessarily going to want to put his hands his life on the line of a rookie, right? Somebody who doesn't know what they're in for. Well, you know, my, I, I, I'm going to defend the rookies only because I know what you're saying. So, so their point's not invalid, but I don't want anybody to think for a second that a rookie firefighter is not trained. They no, never get no, out no, there no, no. before but, that. So but, I don't think you're ever a rookie when you're going out there to Right, help, but, but my point being is that, like, the reason that you work with an, an investment professional is they have the training. They have the experience, hopefully, right? And there are some that are more rookie than others. But sure. but they are they've gone through the knowledge base of scenarios and stuff and like learning about how to better advise you to become an advisor. Like there's a reason there's a test and everything else. They want to know how much you know, right? Like you can't just go pay a fee and be like, I want to be advisor today. It doesn't work that way. Like you actually have to be state licensed to be in it. No. Well, David's like shaking his head. No, not really. Well, it's it's a okay, so it's federal, right? Federal. So depending on the type of advisor you are, right. uh, it's it's not through the state. 
per se. It's you know it's a federally or and it's actually what's known as an SRO for brokers. That's a self-regulatory organization, which is not technically federal. It's technically everybody banning. But my the point other. being is, it's not like a DMV fee where you just sh- anybody can show up and pay no, the fee and you become an advisor. A, yeah, you, you actually have to train. You for can't it. buy your credential. You have to earn right. it. Right. And uh, I think this the here's the tr- the point I'm making about training is that the natural response in many cases is the wrong response. And so in order to get to the right response, we must train for it. Okay. Oh, you have the there's a, there's a um, rhyme or not a rhyme a, um, thing. So that if you have a bat and a ball and you have a dollar ten. Oh yeah. So this is where people make the the math error. You know. The, the so you bat, have a bat the, and a ball. The bat and the ball together cost a dollar five. The bat's ten cents more than the ball. How much does the bat cost? Right. And everybody goes, oh wait, it's a do- like a dollar and ten. I thought it was a dollar. A dollar ten. So even if it's a, so, bat and the ball together cost a dollar ten. The bat costs uh, ten cents more. A, a, no, a dollar more than the dollar ball. more. Than how the... much does the bat cost? Well, yeah, it's that. That's how it goes. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay, but the the answer the bat is not. And the ball. Together cost a dollar ten. The bat costs a dollar more than, than the, the ball. ball. How much does the bat cost? And it's a dollar five. Correct. Because, because the ball five cents plus a dollar five is a dollar ten. But people jump to the conclusion of oh, it's a dollar, right? Because it's a dollar more than the ball, and so they they will they will skip the math part. Yeah. But if, it, if the bat is a dollar and the ball is 10 cents, then the bat is only 90 cents more. So it's not the right math when you said the bat has to be a dollar more than the ball. Right. Well, so, it can't be 10 cents because then it would be, you're right, a dollar 10 be, cents plus a dollar more would be a dollar 10 plus 10 cents would be dollar 20. So it doesn't work. It has to be 5 cents. But what happens is we all take mental shortcuts too. Now, that's not necessarily because of emotions, but it is because of we leap to conclusions. Right. Right. And it's still, it's it's getting sort of duped by being too comfortable with something. And we've all done it. I mean, I did that the first time I heard it. I went, doggone it, you know, because I'm supposed to be a numbers guy. And, and you know, <laughs> I just, oh, sure, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you did it. This sucker. I did it too. It's so. Because I didn't listen to all of the instructions. I started yeah. running the numbers in my head thinking, oh, that makes sense to yeah. me. So all of this wraps back to when we talk about uh, our youth, training around a response, first of all, train to, to think about the response and not be just a short term. Train for chess, right? Train to think of, oh, if I make this decision, then here's the other outcomes. Now, some of them really are that simple. Hey, I you know want to get lunch and I ordered lunch and I had lunch. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're talking to our 11-year-old about making healthy food choices right now. Now, if she was in charge, she'd eat nothing but, uh, you know, candy and <laughs> and and probably like mashed potatoes. And she'd say she was healthy because she ate the potatoes. <laughs> I'd go, honey, I don't think it works quite that way. Yeah. So we're trying to get the, the information about the nutrition she's learning at school, but then the application. It's like you have to develop sort of a taste. If you don't have to have a taste, you're going to have to train for the taste, too, because you can't just fill your body with junk. Ultimately, it will it will create other problems for you. Right. So getting her to think about it in that way involves constant message, right? We have to reinforce the message right. as parents, and then we have to provide guidance. But hopefully by the time she is older, she's already kind of grounded in those principles now. So 
her long-term decision-making can then sort of angle toward healthy decisions. And I, and I love the term, there's more caught than taught, right? Leading by example. Like, there's more caught than taught. They're paying attention. They're watching you do it. Like It's funny. I thought, like, you know, camping bed and toddler when you said oh. that. There's more caught than taught. I'm like, I clearly got that wrong. <laughs> C-A-U-G-H-T. Wrong caught. Oh, okay, that kind of caught. <laughs> but, uh, but so, I mean, if you're talking to your kid about eating your vegetables and you don't eat your vegetables, bad example, right? Mm -hmm. So pick a vegetable you like to eat and eat a lot of it and show them that it's a good thing for them. So yeah. Well, and it's, you know, if you exercise, your kid's more likely to exercise. Right, it's true. Right? Just if you show them that you're doing it. So establishing the habits. But but the training concept is one. And, and here's, the, here's the really tricky thing. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge that we lack the training in something. And so that makes us a little bit dangerous in the way we make decisions. And if that's the case, you really should seek outside counsel. Because oftentimes you get so close to an issue, I say it's like trying to put your nose on the pages of a book and then read the book. Yeah, you're you just, can't do it. You're, yeah, just, you're too just, close. just too close. And you can't get the perspective with your nose touching the book. But as soon as you take that book and sort of turn it around and place your nose on the back of the book where somebody else can see the pages, they can walk right up and read it for you. So that perspective is very, very important. I would also say make it a game. Let your kids try to hold you accountable to something. Yeah. Always helps. So uh, bottom line is if when we're training our kids, you know, teach them what you know and acknowledge what you don't right bring yeah. in you get the help where you can to and and it's never too late to learn right, right. As, as you know Which is that's another lesson being that's an good adult. to teach them yeah and 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 the other one is it's okay to fall on your face a little bit just get back up but just know that you really if you make mistakes they, they it's okay that they're your mistakes the the i think the healthy people in the world realize when i make a mistake and i just simply own it the outcome is actually oftentimes better, better to just simply say, all right, my bad, and I'm going to learn from it. Right. Than to try to fake it. Right. All right. So anyway, enough of the preachy today. Adulting. So right. we have a fun topic maybe for next week. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, for now, I guess we're out of time. So Katie, how do they reach us? 541-375-0898. All right. If you need anything else, please give us a call. Uh, thank you as always. Until thank next time. Me. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. KQEN.